Welcome to the Circuit of Success Podcast. The Circuit of Success Podcast. With your host, Brett. Brett. Brett Gilliland. Brett Gilliland, Visionary Wealth Advisory. The Circuit of Success Podcast. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got Kevin DeShazo with me. Kevin, how you doing? Fantastic. How are you? I am good. How is uh, Oklahoma City treating you today? It's great. Uh, not too wintry of weather yet. It's actually pretty nice, so it's a, it's a good Monday. Awesome. It's a little chilly and rainy here, but it, it could be a lot worse, so that's all right. I'm just outside of St. Louis, and awesome. uh, so you are in Oklahoma City. You are the father of three boys. We both have something in common. We both have an Asher. Uh, and you yeah. are married and running some businesses, certified mental performance uh, mastery coach, and founded uh, Fieldhouse Media. And uh, we'll talk about some other stuff as well. So uh, before we get started, though, Kevin, could you just give us a little lay of the land? What's made you the man you are today, and what's some of the backstory Ooh. for you? Oh, what is that's a big question. What has made <laughs> me the man I am today? Probably who has made me the man I am today? Yeah. Um, you know, I've I've been really fortunate to have great mentors, great people uh, in my life from a, a young age. Um, and I think the, the two things I've learned probably the most from from all those mentors combined is one, the power of speaking belief into people. These are always people who believed something in me, saw something in me, called those things up in me, um, treated me as if I, I, I already was those things. Um, and two, just their, their uh, the way they modeled their life, right? They were people who were accountable. They were disciplined. They were consistent. Um, it, was, it was important to me. They were they were all rooted in faith. Um, so they were good husbands, good dads, um, good business people, whatever their job was. Um, and so I've always had had good mentors. And then over the years, you know, I went into the corporate world right out of college. Well, that's not true. Um, we don't have to go down this <laughs> down down this rabbit hole. But I was I was an embalmer's assistant for six months immediately out of college. Wow. Uh, then then went into the corporate world. Um, then started my own business uh, and businesses, and so lots of ups and downs, and peaks and valleys, and failures and successes. Um, I think all those things, all those experiences, the wins and losses, you know, they they each kind of mold you into if you allow them to, if you use them the right way, they mold you into uh, who you're supposed to be. Yeah. And you grow up in Oklahoma. Mostly, I was in Missouri uh, until sixth grade, and so I moved okay. to Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, right after I finished sixth grade, um, and been in Oklahoma since then. Nice, and doing some work with Oklahoma, the university, right? That's right. Yeah, we we do a lot with their athletic department, both from their administration, you know, Joe Stiglione, their athletic director, their leadership team, their department, um, but also work with a lot of their sports teams. Um, work deeply with the football team, travel with the football team. So it's a it's it's a fun a fun client to have. Yeah. So speaking of football, so how did uh, how did you think it went last night when they picked the top four teams? Well, Florida State's also a client. Yeah. Uh, oh. so, so so didn't didn't love them being left out. Uh, you know, it's it's a there's probably a bigger societal perspective to take on it, but it was, you know, the committee went. In my opinion, they went on feelings based on facts, or rather rather than yeah. based on facts. Um, I just think it's tough to leave um, a power five undefeated team out, you know, um, in, in place of teams who have, who have lost the game. Now for that fourth spot, I think there could be a lot of argument, whether it's Bama or Georgia or Texas yeah. or um, even Ohio State. You know, their only loss being to Michigan. There's yeah. a lot of argument for that fourth spot. But my opinion, Florida State should have been should have been a guarantee. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. And I guess next year going to what, 10 teams or 12 teams, whatever they're doing 12, next yeah. year. Yeah, 12 will, yeah. will change some that. But then you'll still have the 13th team, right? That'll be mad. And, that's right. And, uh, that's, where I, that's where I go because you're right. It's like the 12 team solves this discussion in terms of like, okay, they would have all had a chance. And and I've been you know hoping and waiting for this this 12 team for a while because my general opinion is if you're in the top 8 to 10, maybe 12, you probably have a good chance to like to win a national like a national title. Yeah. You've got some talent. You're you're pretty elite. Um, there's not always some years. There's a massive difference, but typically that that one to eight, one to ten gap is not very wide. Once you get 13, 14, 15, it's like okay, you've probably lost two or three games. It's like you've had enough of a chance. Um, but it'll be. But there's always going to be someone who feels left out, right? And whether there yeah. were thirty teams, right? Someone's going to feel left out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you look at like Liberty. I saw the twelfth team. I think was Liberty. Mm -hmm. 
And then you got yep. like LSU, also who's 13th. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So the 13th team was LSU. You look at the difference of who they're yeah. all playing, you know, a little bit of different deal there. Yeah. So, so, um, and, so and talk Liberty, to us about- Liberty's going to play Oregon. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. 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 Who, who are you guys playing? A, uh, we've got Arizona, which will be a great. Arizona. I mean, Arizona, they've won like five straight, I believe. Okay. Um, and then when you add all the transfer portals, so our quarterback just announced today he's leaving. Um, as a grad transfer, we've got a we've okay. got a guy who's who's playing behind him who was ready, and he this year was kind of a mentoring year for him. So talk about great leadership. Um, but portal season, people transferring, coaches moving around, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. I saw today the um, so Ohio State's playing Missouri, and they've already announced mm-hmm. like their quarterbacks leaving. Ohio State's quarterbacks leaving. They had yeah. like, I don't know five or six guys already say they're not playing in the game. It's like it's wild. Gracious, it's man. wild. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how do we fix that? The societal problem of, of this, right? What I worry about with the, um, the transfer portal and all that stuff is accountability is Mm -hmm. kids these days can run from it. Right. Because if I hold you accountable and you don't like that, well, then what are you going to do? You're just going to take your bag and you're going to take the ball and go home. Right. So, so what are your thoughts on that? And then how do we fix that issue? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I think transferring is fine. Uh, I like the old way where you had to sit out for a season because that made you have to really think like, okay, am I, do I really want to go somewhere? Am I really that unhappy that I'm willing to go sit for a year and lose development, lose playing time, lose putting myself on tape. If I think I'm good enough to go to the NFL um, or NBA, whatever it may be. Um, And so I I think there has to be some form of consequence, so to speak for transferring to cause them to to pause a little bit, which I think is, is now come back. Now you can transfer, once freely but the second time i think now you have to sit out something along those lines um or or some situation where you have to get a waiver i mean i think just allowing kids to transfer um you know uh, when i was 18 i knew nothing i should not have been making decisions for my life or my career at at 18 because it would have all been based on how i felt at the moment and if someone does something i don't like well this coach is against me they're being a jerk like no this is called discipline and accountability and this is what growth looks like um so i think we've we've got a What's interesting is the person who gets hurt the most in this are the student athletes. They think it's helping the student athletes. They're the ones who get hurt the worst because they all go in the portal. And then, you know, whatever the number is, 45, 50% have nowhere to go. There, there's no spot. So they think wow. they're going to greener pastures and there's nothing. And they go from a, you know, it could be an Oklahoma State to a Division two or Division three school or a low-level uh, group of five, you know, D- Division one school. It's like, wait a minute, I was in the Big 12 and now I'm – at, at you know the bottom of the pack in the Sun Belt or whatever it may be, yeah. um, so I think that's that's part of it. I think we need to change the timing. Um, they they have a few portal windows, but doing it right now, um, when one coaches football coaches from December first to December sixteenth is an is an open period for recruiting. So they're visiting all these high school kids um, for the next two weeks while trying to keep their current roster yeah. here, while trying to prepare for a bowl game, and signing day is in the next two to three weeks like the, the main signing day. So then all of this is happening in a matter of, of three weeks and it's just okay. utter chaos um, for everyone. And so to say, wait a minute, like we've got to calm down with the opt outs of bowl games, with being able to transfer, like there's got to be value in finishing what you started. Um, and, and if you want to transfer, that's okay. It might, you might be in the wrong situation, right? They may have fired your coach. You're like, man, I don't buy into the new coach. Like this is not yeah. what I was here for. There's always situations. Um, but I do think there has to be a better process where it benefits everyone yeah i've talked to coaches you know it's it's tough because now they're having to recruit the same kids they've already recruited right and so right. it doesn't get yeah. any easier and that that whole accountability no. thing like i mentioned is what what worries me and i don't know you, you worry about i worry about that stuff maybe i'm just getting to be the old dad you know you worry about like chat mm-hmm. gpt i worry about that yeah. stuff like is that going to take away critical thinking from our kids Right, um, right. You know, all that stuff. And so that's probably a whole nother podcast. But um, <laughs> so you are a big reader, I see. And so talk to me about that. So obviously, uh, I think it's a, a big, important thing that people obviously need to do. But talk to me about what you get from it. What's your process like? What kind of books you recommend? Yeah, I just think, you know, I fell in love with reading at a young age. I mean, in kindergarten, I was reading sixth grade level books and couldn't couldn't get enough. Just loved oh, reading. Wow. Um, and then, you know, kind of as, as school tends to do, I was forced to read. And so lost kind of the love and and passion for it when I didn't have a, have a choice in what I was getting to read and when I read it. Um, but I'd say in the last 10, 15 years, I've just kind of rediscovered that passion. 
Uh, it sparks ideas. It's a good way for me to, to it's, it's, it's a weird combination of shutting off my brain, but also turning on my brain, right? I can shut it off from my day-to-day and things that um, cause stress or I'm building or need to think about, but it allows me to think about new things um, and think about the things I'm doing maybe in, in a different way. Um, and I just, I don't know who, who the original quote, where it's from, but you know, um, leaders are readers. And I just think that's, we, we have to be reading. We can't be stagnant just because I know what I'm doing in this lane today doesn't mean I know much about tomorrow or these other areas. And so I think trying to be well-read um, and trying to model that for my kids, like it's just a good way to, to, to slow down. Fortunately, so far, my kids love reading. My 14-year-old, you know, we'll go to Florida in the summer and it's probably, I don't know, 10-hour drive, 12-hour drive, and he'll, he'll read an entire book. You know, just wow. sit in the back of the car. We won't hear from him the whole trip. He's just got his, <laughs> his, his head in the book and, uh, and, and he loves it. I mean, he read one year uh, all the Harry Potter books from christmas to february wow just, a lot just of sat down and, and yeah um and so i yeah i just think it's such a valuable thing and and part of it you know i don't know if i just think this or if this is true but i think as a society in general we don't read enough um social media doesn't count right like twitter is not reading um and, and so i think we we've just kind of lost the the value that the books bring historical books new books and so i i like all topics well, that's probably not fair um, I love reading leadership books. I love reading business books. Uh, I love history. I'm getting getting more and more into older history books and seeing what leaders of the past did. Right there, there's nothing new under the sun. So we can come up with with all these new leadership books today. But what did people do in the early 1900s and the 1800s? Like, what were they thinking? Yeah. Those those principles still matter, you know. So so learning from leaders of the past. Love it, love it. You got a book right there behind you. I can see that one I right do. there. Keep, yep. keep chopping yep. wood. Yeah. Right. Uh, so tell me yep. about that. It was really interesting. Um, so kind of the backstory on it, it was a Saturday night in January and, and it was freezing outside, like snow on the ground type freezing. And at the time we lived in about a 105 year old house in downtown oh, wow. Oklahoma city. Um, we've recently moved, um, uh, just general life advice for anyone listening. Don't move between Christmas and new year's. Like that's a great <laughs> test of your marriage. Um, we passed thankfully. Uh, but so at the time we lived in a 105 year old home and you know, the windows were, were less than paper thin and my neighbor had a wood burning fireplace. And so we're sitting there watching TV one night and I can smell his fireplace burning. Um, you know, my brain goes weird places and I'm like, huh, wonder, like wonder where firewood comes from. Like, what's the process? Like, what, how does that, how does it get from tree to fireplace? Like, what does that look like? And, and so I Googled it. Obviously it's not some like secret process. Like the government's mm-hmm. not trying to prevent us from knowing what this looks like. And so I, I, what I found was that, that the wood my neighbor was burning was not from that morning. It wasn't from earlier in the week. Um, that wood goes through this, it's called seasoning, but it's essentially just drying out. Wood has to dry out. It could be six, nine, 12, 15 months, depending on the wood. Um, in order for it to be ready for the fireplace, in order for it to be be useful. Same thing if anyone listening, you, know, you, you go camping. Well, if you try to light wet uh, firewood yeah. at your campsite, it's not going to work out. Smoking. So same concept. And so I'm like, oh, interesting. Well, that means somebody had to be out in like March getting that firewood. You know, this wasn't like earlier this week or earlier in the month. or This was months ago when they didn't need it. Huh. Well, that's interesting. And so that made me think of culture and leadership and this process of of getting better uh, and so I just fired off a tweet as I typically do and uh, went to bed to my wife's like, I think I found the idea for my next book. And she's like, I'm sure you did because this is a seven times a week. I think I have an idea for a new book. <laughs> and, and so I woke up and it had kind of blown up a little bit. I was like, okay, interesting. That, that resonated, which that's a lot of what social media is for me is just putting out thoughts to see what resonates, what connects. Um, and that one did. And so then I, I have a, a newsletter that I write for leaders every day use that story uh, in my newsletter. So that was on a Saturday, use this, the story in my newsletter on a Monday. And I don't usually get responses on the newsletter. It's not designed to get responses. It's just designed to serve people. Like here's a thought, here's a, a thing. Uh, and I probably got 50, 60 responses of, wow. and I printed this off and gave it to my whole team. And I gave this to my son. Man, I, I'm like, okay, two for two. There's something there. And our office is above a coffee shop here in downtown Oklahoma City. And so that Tuesday morning came in, um, went to the coffee shop, put some headphones in, and four hours later, there it was. Wow. And that sounds impressive. It's not. It's like 9,000 words. So it's not like I wrote a 40,000-word novel. <laughs> it's 9,000 words. You you can read it in about 30 minutes. Um, but yeah, still wrote it that, that day and published it a few months later. 
That's beautiful. So how many total books have you written? Three. Um, I just finished a fourth. So I've nice. got a new one that I'm, I'm working on. Um, but I wrote one. So, so one of my first businesses I started was called Fieldhouse Media, and it was doing social media training for college athletes and coaches. And so I wrote a book called I Athlete, um, which is really about helping coaches understand this generation of, of student athlete. Um, don't recommend that one. It was more of one is terribly, terribly written, but it was more of <laughs> like to establish myself as the thought leader kind of in that space. Um, and then I wrote a book called Leadership Interrupted, which took 365 of my daily emails and just kind of put them in. It's almost like leadership devotional style. It's like oh, cool. every day is a thought for, for leaders. Um, and then keep chopping wood. And then I've got a new one that I'm working on uh, called Into the Storm about how to deal with adversity. Love it. Love it. So let's talk about that. How do we deal with adversity? What's uh, what's your game plan there? Because there's a lot of it right now. There is. And so I think, so here, this story, um, it's not an original story, but how I'm how I'm framing it is, is in, in an original way. But I was at Florida State uh, a year and a half ago, uh, and they were introducing the new CEO of, of Seminole Boosters. So it's like their fundraising arm kind of for, okay. for athletics. It's its own separate organization. And Stephen Ponder, the CEO, he told this story of, of um, when storms come over the mountains, like in the Rocky Mountains, they come from the west to the east. And he said, what happens is cows, they sense the storm, they know it's coming, and fear sets in. They say, we got to get to safety. We got to get out of here. And so cows turn and run east uh, away from the storm. They want to get away from it. And cows are dumb and slow. And so what happens is they get stuck in the storm, the frustration, um, the obstacles, the anxiety, the fear, the frustration until eventually the storm runs out, right? But they're just going with the storm until eventually it passes them because every storm runs out of rain. Uh, and so, but by the time they, the storm passes, they've lost ground. It's like, wait a minute, we were already over here. Now we've run away. We've got to do all this work just to get back to where we were. We thought we were getting to safety. We actually made things worse and we prolonged our suffering, prolonged the frustration, prolonged the adversity. Meanwhile, bison, uh, fun fact, there are no buffalo in North America, so Colorado needs a new mascot. Um, but bison in, in Colorado or in, the, in the mountains, when the storm comes over, they sense it as well and they say, great, let's go through it. And so instead of running away from it, bison go into the storm head first, Step after step, they make progress. They still experience it because you can't avoid the storm, right? I think most, most of the issues in life is like we keep trying to avoid adversity and you can't. It's guaranteed. Um, and and when, when we accept that, we say, okay, if adversity is going to hit, I can't choose what it is. I can't choose. Like I don't know if I'm going to get sick. I don't know if I'm going to lose a loved one, but I know that adversity is going to come at some point. So if I, if I expect it, I can mentally be prepared for it. And I can choose to do some hard things along the way in life to actually prepare me for the, the, the adversity that shows up. And so they realize like one, we can't avoid the adversity. And two, the only way through it is through it. And when you just go through it, you still experience it, right? There's still frustration and anxiety and fear and frustration, but there's less of it, right? The cows have this prolonged frustrating experience in adversity. The bison just simply get through it because they go into it, they get through it. And then on the other side of it, they've made progress. Mm. They'd have to be a lot of progress. Like baby steps are still progress, right? But they, they went through it and they got better in the midst of it. And so that's the general idea is like adversity is going to land on your doorstep at some point and at multiple points in your life, right? And, and there could be, there's levels to it. It could be very small adversity. It could be a major life thing. Um, the, the, we have the choice in that moment. What do we do with it? Are we going to let fear take over and run away from it? Or we say, no, no, I, the only way through this is not going to be fun. It could be messy. It's going to be difficult. Like it's not, it's not saying there's an easy path, but right. it's the best path. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, to your point, it is going to show up. Right. And I think so many times as we're growing as leaders, we, we want it just to be this straight line, but obviously yeah. success doesn't work that way. Right. It's a really squiggly line yeah. and hopefully it That's ends right. up higher than where we started. But talk about, I, I can think for me when I was, you know, I have a defining moments in my life, you know, like my second year as a financial advisor, there's, you mm -hmm. know, these different mm -hmm. things that happen. What, what moment for you was th this light bulb moment, maybe like in tough times, something you learned that, man, you're just like, God, how did I not know that before? Any moments like that for you that stick out? Yeah, there was, so year, probably one, maybe two, um, when I was first starting Fieldhouse Media. So I had started another company. It failed miserably. It was in the healthcare world, which was my previous background. Um, 
like zero dollars in a year failed miserably. Like, so if there's any, <laughs> any students listening, if you're starting business, like the goal is to make more than zero dollars. Yes. Um, you've got, you've got bills to pay. Right. And so I, I was at zero. Um, like it was bad enough. Like I had to sell a bicycle to pay a mortgage. Like it was, mm -hmm. it was not good. Um, and then I had this idea for field house media and, and so I went to my wife and like, you know, clearly I'm great at business. Um, I think I should start another one. And for some reason she was like, let's go for it. And, and we both felt like it was the right move, but it was another year of no's, right? Mm -hmm. Every day was a no. Every day was a failure. If, if that's the, the definition of success, if I'm trying to, if, if it's trying to get a yes, I just got no's. And it was, I mean, I was depressed. I was anxious. I was like, I'm not a huge person. Like I was losing a ton of weight. I wasn't sleeping. Um, it was like, we found out we were pregnant with our second son in that season. And my wife cried when we found out and not tears of joy. It was like, how are we going to do this? Like, and, but there was this, we, we had, thankfully, you know, like I said before, mentors around us, a community around us, people around us, um, who believed in us, but also believed in what we were doing. And so like, we, we were having a weekly conversation, my wife and I'm like, Hey, is this still the right path? Do we actually believe that this is the right path? Is this suffering worth it? Uh, and so we had to make a choice pretty much every week. Is this suffering worth it? And um, what I wish I had known back then, and it, and it certainly it, it worked out. What I wish I had known um, is that even in the midst of choosing to continue to enter into it, I wish I would have had a better attitude when I was like, when I was actually in it. Cause there was a lot of like, we'd have the conversation like, yeah, I feel like this is the right thing. Great. So I'd go back to work the next day and try to keep building but my attitude the whole time was like, this isn't, I was, was actually thinking this isn't worth it. It's not going to work. I just, I, I, I was so negative um, and so beaten down. I just didn't, I didn't think it was going to work, even though I, I was trying to convince myself. Yeah. I wish I would have um, had a better attitude and I wish I would have, uh, we had good community around us, but I wish I would have leaned more into that community. Um, that's part of the, the new books, like the power of your herd, like the people around you dictate your future. Um, and I had good people around me. Um, and my future worked out okay, probably accidentally, which is which is not how you want it to work out. Um, it could have been better faster if I had actually leaned into the power of the people around me because um, they were they wanted to pour in, they wanted to do whatever, and I was prideful in the midst of it, saying, you know, I can I can do this on my own, and I and I didn't because you never do it alone. But I wish I had I wish I'd understood the power of the herd earlier on. Yeah, it is so powerful, so powerful, and so. Thinking about that, I I read this quote recently that really hit me, and it was it said, um, you know, make decisions based on your knowledge, not on your emotion, right? Yep. So it's easy to say I want to go to the gym and base it on knowledge, but there's days you don't want to do it, right? So what That's have right. you found yourself and you know these other leaders and these coaches and athletic directors and all the people you're around? What do you find is is that thing, right, that gets them going to the quote-unquote gym, whatever it may be? What is that thing that helps them base their decision on knowledge? Yeah, I think for me, um, it's honoring your commitments, meaning if I committed to doing it yesterday, it doesn't matter how I feel today. So I, I've, lately I've been phrasing it kind of that way. It's like I want to honor yesterday's commitments, not today's feelings. Um, because to your point, I'm not going to feel like it all the time and nobody does. And I, and I think that's the biggest thing is, is when I, when I talk to young people today, whether that's college students or, or young professionals, a lot of it is how they feel. I'm like, yeah. I'm not trying to be dismissive, but I just don't really care how you feel. Like we all have days. We don't feel like it. This is part of life. It doesn't mean you have a bad boss. Doesn't mean you have a bad team. Doesn't mean you're in the wrong job. It just means that life is hard some days and we don't always feel like it. And, and who you actually are is determined by how you show up when you don't feel like it. Because if, if we all just showed up when we, when we felt like it, we would make zero progress. Right. And, but if I can, you know, I've, I've been really consistent and I'm not a disciplined person, but I've trained myself to be disciplined, right? It's not a personality trait. It's, it's a skill. And so I've, I found that when I, when I live my, live my commitments, um, the, the more I choose it, the easier it gets. Meaning, so I've, I've worked out, uh, every day now for over 365 days and, and I just do it in my house. Like yep. I'm, I'm big on eliminating as many barriers as possible. It's like, man, I don't want to wake up and get on gym clothes and drive to the gym and deal with that and then drive home. Okay. Can you do something in your house? 
you know, what can you do it? Like go start simple. Then you can, then you can add to it if you want to. Um, but early on it was not fun. Always. I didn't always look forward to it. Some days I wake up and I'm sore from the previous day. Um, or I've traveled or there's all sorts of excuses I can make. Well, I'll take the day off and rest is great. Like it's okay to take days off. Um, but I just had to say, no, no, no. I, yesterday I said I was going to do it today. So I'm going to, I'm going to honor that commitment. And the more I choose it, the less I have to choose it, right? The more I choose it, the more it starts to become automatic. And so now I don't wake up and negotiate with myself. It's like, all right. And I walk, walk to the room where I get my work in. It's like, it's just, just what I do. And yeah. so I think for leaders, it's, it's one, it's choosing to live your commitments. Um, but two, also having a reason for why you're doing it. Like I'm not, I'm not working out to be a bodybuilder, to climb Mount Everest, to run a mar- Like I'm working out to be healthy as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a dad, as a husband. Like there's a, there's a why that makes me want to get up every morning and do those things. And I don't always remember that why. Um, and, and some people will say, and I do the same thing again. Faith is a big deal for me. Uversion is an app that I use. Um, I've been in it every day for 1,374 straight days. And so we're like, are you just going through the motion some days? Yep. Just a Bible app. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And they've okay. got these little, you know, short, short devotionals. Um, but people are like, why don't you just go through the motions some days? Yep. But I'd rather go through the motions on doing the right things than do nothing. You know, so I'm okay with just going through the motions some days. That, that's okay. Um, but I've just found the more, I think the two things I, I try to create is confidence and momentum. Meaning if I do it today, that fear is going to kick in tomorrow. You can't do this today. You can't work out today. You're tired. You travel. I'm like, no, no, no. I did it yesterday. I actually know that I can do it. I have proof that I can do it. I have confidence because I did it yesterday, which allows me to do it today. Once you get to stack two or three, four or five days in a row, not only do you have confidence, now you also have momentum. And those things can carry you through to some powerful places. Yeah. So what kind of exercises are you doing these days? So I've shifted. Um, so for most of the last year, it was some variation. Like I just get up and I would do like, push-ups, I do curls, I do some tricep stuff, I do some some uh, crunches, some ab work, just very basic. The last 50 days, I think I'm actually 50 days in, let me check my phone to make sure this I'm not lying to you, but I, I signed up for an app called uh, Ladder. Uh, 51 days, sorry, 50, 51 days. Um, and so you go in, and I, I want to say it's 20, maybe 30 bucks, but I hate going to the gym. Like I love working out. I hate going to the gym. Yeah. Um, it's just not, or I, I hate the process. I actually like being at the gym, but the whole process of it's just not convenient um, for, for my life. And so ladder, you go in and you say, what kind of workouts do you like to do? Or what type of equipment do you like to use? Where do you like to work out? How long do you like to work out? What are your goals? Um, and it assigns you a coach or he'd say, here, here's two or three coaches who could, who could work for you. And you look at their program and you sign up and they drop in every Sunday night, they drop in seven workouts. So a workout for every day of the week. So I am really big right now on kettlebells. Mm. And so 45, usually it's about 40 to 45 minutes, uh, each morning. Uh, and I just go in and they've got the plan right there. Like I don't have to leave my house. I, I bought you know, however many kettlebells, um, my wife's like, we, we got more. I'm like, sorry, I got stronger. I have to, I have right. to get some more. I have to, I have keep, to keep upgrading. Up. <laughs> uh, she's like, like every few weeks, like, is that another kettlebell? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, but it's, but I love it. It's like, it's really challenging. Um, it's, I notice a difference in my energy and confidence. Um, so I, I love it. It's a, it's a, a essentially a coaching platform that keeps you, and I love tracking things. I've learned that keeps me accountable. So there's a tracker of like your workouts and all this stuff. Um, but it's great. Just that, and I can do, I can, I had a speaking engagement in Dallas a few weeks ago. I loaded up and it's three hour drive. So I just drove, took a kettlebell with me in the hotel room. You know, I can, I can do it. And so that's why I like to create systems and things that I can do at home or on the road. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. It's, it's nice to have the apps in it because for me, I don't know what to do when I get into the gym, you know, it's like, okay, Same. let's work on this thing. And I'm like, well, I don't know what the right. hell that actually does. So I found That's myself right. yeah. then just not doing it. But so I use the Peloton app and then their, you know, yeah. rower and tread and all that stuff, the bike. Yeah. And then, uh, and then an app called better me, I just found it's uh, the same okay. kind of thing. They ask you a lot I've, of goals. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those that shows up on my Instagram feed nonstop, yes. and they yes. finally, finally I'll yeah. tap out and buy it. For, that's right. That's right. Know, it was a hundred dollars. That's exactly what ladder and then was. I said yeah. no, and the next thing you know, then it's like fifty dollars, and then it was twelve dollars for you know twelve weeks or whatever. I'm like, all right, whatever. 
just stop by it for 12 bucks just to not see the damn feet that's anymore. Right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so, exactly right. Um, that was the exact same so, thing with ladder. I'm like, fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll give in. I did that with yeah. ladder. I did it with athletic greens, like trying to oh, be yeah. healthier with, with some food stuff and uh, with the diet part as well. And it's just, yeah, I'm, social media, man, gets us every time. Well, athletic greens is showing up all the time too. Do you like it? So here's my take on athletic greens. Uh, one, it's good. Um, I will just say for the sake of people listening, it just destroyed my stomach. Okay. I mean, like I felt like I was under threat all day, all day, every day that anything <laughs> could go wrong at, at any given point. Yeah. Um, and which part that's part of it. Like it's, it's part of it as a probiotic. And so it's, it's messing with you a little bit. Um, I went to the head nutritionist at OU and said, Hey, I'm taking this. Do you, is, is it good? Do you recommend anything else? Um, she directed me to something called heart greens by a company called human H U M A N N. Um, and it's like a third of the price of athletic greens yeah. and it's great. And I've had, had no issues. Um, yeah. Heart greens by human. Okay. I'll write that one down. I got a bunch uh, of their Yeah, I do a little they're, green they're juice from our local grocery store every day. So yeah. You know, get the kale yeah. and parsley and all that stuff. So it's good for yeah. you. Um, yeah. So how do you stay a student of the game? And obviously, you know, people are coming to you for advice. So you got to keep learning yeah. and keep training and keep your mind going. So how do you personally stay a student of the game? Uh, try to read and observe as much as possible. Like I'm, I've had to train myself because I used to wonder, it's probably 10, 15 years ago, and I'd follow other speakers or experts or authorities on whatever topic, like where do they come up with these stories? Like what in the, yeah. and I just realized they're just paying attention to life. They just choose to be observant about whether it's their kid's basketball game or a road trip um, or something with their friends or at the grocery store. They're just observing human behavior. Yeah. Uh, and so I've, it's, it, it was a, a challenge to me because my, my mind is usually always in the clouds. Like it's, it's, I'm always thinking of different things and I'm not, I'm usually, I struggle to be wherever I am, right. To be present. Uh, and so I've tried to train myself to just be aware of what's happening in the day-to-day -day moments, which is doing that daily newsletter has been a really good, um, it's forced me to be aware. Cause I've got to have a story every day from, from somewhere, you know? Yep. Um, so I think just observing people trying to be present, um, trying to ask a lot of questions of, of people. And I think I try to follow, um, I don't want to say the right people, but interesting people on social media. So yeah, I've got my sports feed, but I also want to follow leaders from a variety of areas. Um, cause that, that's the beauty of me for social media is like, I can learn from some of the best leaders yeah. on the planet because they're sharing their stories, their wisdom for free. You know, you're getting a masterclass from these people. So I think trying to, trying to follow business leaders, um, certain industry leaders on social media, not, I don't want to say read the right books, but, but read books that are, um, that, that provide unique perspective. Any go-to leaders you'd recommend following that put out some good content? Oh gosh, I knew you were going to ask that. Um, <laughs> I think besides I think you, of Mark, course. Yeah, I think Mark Cuban is a fascinating yeah. follow. On, what do you on think? What do you media? think his deal? Um, What's his a, next play? So if I'm I'm getting off Shark Tank, yeah. I'm selling part of the was it fifty seven percent of the Mavericks? What's yeah. the next play? And I, I saw where he told someone he's not going to run for political office. But I bet he runs for political office. Yeah, that's I've said that. Um, or, too. or something, something in that realm, because it just doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, guys like that could always start um, any kind of, you know, they could start a business tomorrow, do whatever they want. But he's because he's got that uh, some kind of healthcare prescription thing that he's doing as well, um, trying to create low cost prescriptions for people. Um, but I would, I would guess that that he's he's going to run for something or get involved in, in politics in, in yeah. some way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's always an interesting one. I love following tech entrepreneurs. Um, a guy named David Sachs that I, that I enjoy following. Um, I love, I love following journalists. Like the media is just a fascinating industry for me. Um, I shouldn't yeah. say journalists. I should say media personalities, like people who comment on the media. Uh, maybe they're a part of it, but they're not just writing journalism pieces, but they like to comment on the state of, of the media. I think the world is just, it's an interesting place. You know, um, there's, there's a lot and I, and I try to follow people I don't agree with. Um, mm. and, and just to, get, to always have a different perspective. I think part of social media, they can easily be an echo chamber of, of people reinforcing what you already think. As long as people are respectful, I, I always want to follow people who have a different opinion, different perspective, come at it from a different side. Um, now if they're going to you know, scream and yell, call people names like, well, that's not necessary, but I like to, I like to follow people that I don't necessarily agree with as well. Yeah. Get a little, 
you know, a counterintuitive uh, stuff here that we're, we're yeah. one of the questions yeah. I was going to ask you is what is something that's counterintuitive to what anybody else would believe, but you know that it works and you, and you believe it to your core. Mm. Is there anything that comes to mind for you? Gosh, that's a great question. How do I actually want to answer that? Um, this shouldn't be an answer to that question, but I think in 2023, 2024, it is, uh, is that hard work will get you most of what you want. Hmm. I, I think in today's world, we just think things are going to be handed to us and that we can do average work um, and give average effort and expect great things. And I think if, if you want more, you actually have to do more. And that's not, you know, I'm not saying to buy into the hustle culture. I'm not saying you got to do 70, 80 hours a week. That's, you know, that's a great, great way to, to live a life of burnout. But, you know, if you, if you think of, you know, my 14 year old freshman basketball team, I'm like, Hey, if, if you want to get better, you have to practice when other people don't, yeah. you practice every day when the team practices, that means you're getting better at the same rate, generally speaking, the same rate of improvement as everybody else on the team. Well, if this guy's better than you and you're practicing the same amount, he's always going to be better than you. But what if you came home and got in 15 minutes? 15 minutes a day. Yeah. Well, that's 91 hours a year. How, what, what kind of difference would that make in your yeah. skill set? And so the same thing for a leader, same thing for an entrepreneur, same thing for whatever it may be. Like you actually have to do more. I think we've, because that kind of mindset was abused for, for most of time, like to, to, to burn people out and force people to work 40, 50, 60, 80 hour weeks, whatever. Yeah. Um, people push back the pendulum went all the way over here. Like, no, no. You just work 30 hours a week. It'll be okay. Just hope for the best. I'm like, no, hope's, it's a, it's a great fuel, but a terrible strategy. You actually have to work your tail off. If you, if you want to get things, you've got to be willing to sacrifice. Um, and I think at some times, some seasons, that means you're actually out of balance. You don't want a life that's out of balance, but I think for a right. season, if you want to get to certain areas, you've got to say, you've got to shut out, not everything, but almost everything say, I'm going all in after this thing. And people are going to say, you're crazy. And then a year later say, well, Maybe I was, but look what I accomplished because of that. Yeah. yeah, I agree, man. It does. It goes in waves, doesn't it? It's just, it's sometimes you're going to be working on family life more and sometimes you're working at work more. Yep. And so, but yeah. it's got to be somewhat balanced if, if there is such a thing. Um, yeah. if, if I were to ask your team right now, um, mm -hmm. you know, people that work for you, what, what would they say you do well that helps build culture for your company? I think energy. I, I think by nature, I've just always been, um, I don't know about by nature, but like I've just always been a positive energy person. I'm an optimist. Yeah. I tend to believe things are going to work out. Um, I'm not super serious. Uh, it's interesting because I've, I've just kind of go a different direction, but, um, you know, when I, when I was in the corporate world, I was a goofy guy, we'd close a deal and I'd run in like fist pumping and yelling and just being goofy. Like I just never took things super, super serious. And we were unbelievably successful. Like I was number two in the company in sales. Like, and I wasn't your typical, you know, buttoned up, super serious business minded salesperson. I just had fun and loved people. Um, when I started in business, I don't know if anybody said it to me or if I assumed they said it to me, or if I just took on this belief because people always say, man, you know, Kevin, he's just not super serious and he's not that organized and he's not that into the details. Mm -hmm. And I, I wore that as, People don't think I can be successful. People don't think I can do this on my own. They don't think I can build a business. And so I shut down kind of the goofy part of me for a long time. Um, and the, the quote unquote unserious part of me to the point that people, we do a lot with personality in our businesses. Uh, people are like, well, I don't actually think you are this personality. I'm like, no, no, no. I've just, one, I've been under stress for a decade trying to build. And then two, I've just recently realized I believed a lie or whatever, um, a limiting belief that I had to be this way to be successful. And so I've just kind of been coming out of that shell again the last year or two. Um, I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I love to have fun. Like, you can have fun. You don't have to be serious and and all these things to be successful. Like, you can you can have big dreams and you can be goofy and you can make people laugh and um, you can inject comedy in certain situations. And maybe it's not you don't always need to inject. Like, there's a time to be serious, but yeah. um, I think people just say like, generally, I bring I bring fun. Yeah. So that was one of my biggest learnings when I look back on my career, you know, 22 years in the wealth management space. And so when I was this young, the young Brett, 
would go take some of the older guys with them to meetings to try to learn. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I would just, I thought I had to live in this box, just like what you were just saying. And, and as soon as I found out, or I guess I shouldn't say found out as soon as I believed that I could be Brett and to your point, have fun and and laugh a lot at work and it had not have to be so damn serious. It's amazing. That's when I started to find myself becoming more and more successful. Yeah. You, well, you, you find yourself being more successful and then you actually have fun being successful. Right. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute, because like, you, you can have success the other way or, or a limited version of success, but you're miserable all the time because you always feel like you're trying to be someone you're not. It's like, wait a minute, no, I can be me and succeed. I don't need to be, and I, you know, again, we talk a lot about personality. Like we've got kind of a right hand and left hand. I'm typically this per, you know, goofy, loud, fun, whatever, but there's a part of me that can be serious, that can be locked in, that can be quote unquote professional, whatever that means. Um, but for me to live there means I lose who I actually, actually am. And so trying to find that balance of like, okay, when can I be me and when do I not need to be me? And how do I make that operate so that everyone around me um, actually wins? Yep. Yep. So you can see this sticker right here, this F greater than P. I do. Our mission mission is helping people achieve a future greater than your past. And so it doesn't mean that you you had a bad past, but when you hear that achieving a future greater than your past, what comes to mind for you? One, I love it because I was actually wondering, like, I haven't seen that on any of like the What's email, like that's not the company, and like, huh, okay. <laughs> um, so I'm, so I'm glad you brought that up because that's good because that's actually bothered me for a long time. Um, <laughs> no, that's that's good. Future greater than your past. Um, I think for me that speaks hope to people. Um, and I said earlier, right? Hope is 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 not a strategy, but it is great fuel. Um, and I think if people are fueled by hope, that like you said, today could be good, but tomorrow could be even better. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean you have to have a terrible past that you're going through some stuff today. Like maybe you are. Um, it certainly helps in those seasons, right? If, if things are difficult, like, Hey, things can be better tomorrow. Whatever today is, things can be better tomorrow. Um, but I think whatever season people are in good season, tough season, um, seasons of, of abundance seasons where things are a little bit scarce. It's like, Hey, whatever season t- your future can is actually unlimited if you want to create it and, and not in, in a necessarily materialistic type sense, but like, you can have a better tomorrow if you actually want to. And I think most people, um, I think most people have lost that. I don't think people believe generally speaking anymore. They don't believe that tomorrow can be better than today. Um, I think people are stuck and they feel like they're always going to be stuck. Um, and they just get on this hamster wheel of frustration and say, no, no, no. When you actually have, so we have this, this tool we use, we didn't create it, but it's called the, the, the change equation. And part of it is saying, um, you know, where, what, where's your dissatisfaction in life? What are you dissatisfied with? Could be your finances, could be your family, could be your career, could be your health, um, could be relationships, could be a number of things. And, and how dissatisfied are you? Like one to 10. So if it's like one or two, it's like, okay, you're not dissatisfied. You're annoyed, you know, just get it, stop complaining and move on. It's an eight or a nine. It's like, okay, we got to do some surgery. Like there's some, there's some actual pain. So if your dissatisfaction, let's say, let's say finances or your health, you're an eight. Um, What's your vision? What's your specific vision for that area, for, for finances, your health, relationship, career? Most people, when, when your vision is lower than your dissatisfaction, you get frustration, you get bitterness, you get discontent, you get anxiety. And that's where most people are. You look around, most people are, are dissatisfied, but they don't have a vision of what could be. And so they're stuck. Well, when your vision is higher than your dissatisfaction, well, then you have ambition, you have motivation. It's saying like, hey, I'm at base camp at Mount Everest. I'm trying to get to the top. I'm not there yet, but I at least know where I'm going. And so you yep. wake up every day with a direction that you want to run. And so that that's what I hear, what I see when I see, see future over your past. It's like, yeah, you've got to have a vision and, and a vision and a hope. And when you have that, anything's possible. Yeah. And I love that because it makes me think when we started our firm, Visionary Wealth Advisors, that, that so it would be 10 years uh, in March. And mm-hmm that previous spot as i was becoming more successful right mm-hmm. my job satisfaction was going down and yeah. and then but we made this change to your point is it, the mission and the vision was greater right than where we were yeah. and so um it did it fueled fire it fueled energy it fueled passion but also for me personally it it is basically you know, minimize to almost hardly anything, my anxiety and my stress and, and, right. and so that happiness. And so it doesn't ever mean it's the right time because it wasn't the yep. right time. We were, my wife was pregnant with our fourth child, yeah. built a new home. And so people yeah. have to, and 
think about those things, but take risks sometimes, man. And you got to bet on yourself yeah. and you got to go do yeah. it. So, so I'm yeah. curious, I, I've never done this before, but I'm going to start doing this. I think I had this uh, pop in my mind. So the circuit of success, hence the podcast you're on here, yeah. the circuits of success are attitude, your beliefs, action, results, right? So your attitude, okay. your belief system, the actions you take, get your results. So when you hear those four, mm -hmm. which one of those, let's, let's dive deep into one of them. Which word do you like? Attitude, beliefs, action, results. Um, I think belief for me is the most powerful force in the world. Yep. Like that one for me trumps all of it. Yep. Um, meaning if, if, so you started a company cause you believed success was possible. Mm -hmm. If you didn't believe in it, you wouldn't have done it. And that doesn't mean you believed in it every single day, right? We're, we're human. We, we have those moments of doubt and mm -hmm. fear. Um, but like the, the, car you drive that car exists because somebody believed it was possible that car manufacturer exists because somebody thought i'm gonna i'm gonna create this and the school you went to the town you're from all these things exist because somebody believed in it enough to take action there may have been, may have been several may have been hundreds of people who believed oh, i think it's possible but doubt eventually won out and they didn't figure out a way to create a university to create a business to create a car to create a clothing brand whatever it may be um, everything around us is created because somebody believed in it enough to actually take action on, on those mm -hmm. beliefs. Um, and so obviously belief, belief drives behavior and belief will look for a way forward where doubt will look for a way out. And I think most people in life, right? We get on this path uh, early on. We believe our belief is high starting a business, whatever it is like, man, this can be awesome. We can do it because we have no clue what that road's going to look like. Right. We just think like I said earlier, we think success is going to go this way. We don't anticipate all this, this roundabout and right. chaos in, in the middle of it. But for the people who, who in the midst of that, say, no, no, I, still I still believe in this thing that I chose to run after. I still believe it's possible. For me, it's like going down uh, the highway and there's all these off ramps. It's going to be hard. You might fail. They're going to laugh at you. You're going to lose everything. Like whatever all the excuses, the fears are. And if, you, if doubt is greater, as soon as you face a little bit of adversity, Doubt's like, you're right. I might fail. See ya. I'm out. I'm going to quit before I fail. Mm -hmm. And most people, they just, they, they have a life. It's almost like they're just driving in a circle, right? They get on, get on the highway. Like I believe it's going to be great. It gets hard. Oh, I might fail. And they get off in the circle right back around and get on the next path. Oh, this is going to be great. This is the one it gets hard yeah. and they take the next off ramp and they just keep circling around. Yep. There's people who believe like, yeah, it might be hard. That's okay. I might fail. That's okay. They might laugh at me. That's okay because that belief is greater than their doubt. Like I'm going to go figure out what's possible, you know? And so I, yeah. for me, I just think belief is such a powerful force. Yeah. Amen to that. So my final question on that and uh, would be then belief in self. Uh, you know, I believe in a higher power as well. I believe in God. I believe in self. Mm -hmm. I believe in goal management or goal planning, mm -hmm. goal achievement, all these things. Right. But the belief yeah. in yourself, how, what would you recommend for people right now is to continue to grow that as much as possible And there's a fine line between arrogance and confidence, right? So yeah. how do we grow yeah. in our belief in ourselves? I think two things come to mind. One, and I know this is going to sound cheesy, so apologies to anyone listening, but cheesy works. Um, one, I think like self-affirmations. Like, yep. I think, think of the doubts that come in your mind, like write them down. I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. People don't believe in me. Uh, whatever, all these lies that fill our brain that keep us from taking action. If you would write them down and then write a truth next to it, like, and, or even write another column of like, who said that? Oh, nobody. Nobody said I'm not good enough. Nobody said I can't do it. Like, now, maybe someone actually in your life, you know, you had some, some jerk who put some negativity in, in your mind. Like right. most of the time, the person is us. And it's like, oh. Well, okay. I'm the only person who said that, which means it's not true. Well, what's the truth of that? I am good enough. I do have what it takes, um, whatever it may be. And so to, to counter um, the lies with truth, and and this is why I love like the power of belief and the brain. I've be, I've become just obsessed with the mind over the last like two years, three years. Um, what what happens when you have a negative thought? It does actual brain damage, hmm. and so it weakens your brain. It weakens your brain's ability to be innovative, to be creative, to be confident, to be focused, to be clear, to be calm. And so negativity does brain damage, which means you're more likely to have more negative thoughts and does more brain damage. So, um, and when you have a positive thought, it, it, it strengthens your brain, right? Positive thoughts re regenerate, they rebuild your brain to make you more confident, more clear, more creative, more innovative, um, more focused. 
And so this idea of positive versus negative thinking, like it's actually changing. Your brain is not a, um, it's not a, a static thing, right? It's not fixed. It changes. And every thought is changing it. Your brain is, it's crazy. It's like your, our brain is a, it, it's brilliant and fascinating, but it's also very stupid. Your brain will believe right. whatever you tell it. Um, so I think that's right. So I think one, and you get to choose what you tell it. And so the more you practice, like, and, and so part of my morning routine, right, I've got mind, body, and soul. So I've got the, the faith deal. I've got the workout. Um, and then every day I write down 10 things that I'm grateful for. Hmm. Yeah. And I started doing that during COVID when anxiety started to kick in a little bit. Um, so I think number one is just some form of affirmations. You could even call these I am statements. I, I have a friend who she, she works with the Air Force um, doing leadership training, and she was real nervous and insecure about it. She's real like sweet, quiet Southern woman. She's like, what do I have to offer? She's a powerhouse. And so she put in her, in her phone like every three hours, I'm confident. I'm a great leader. I have what it takes. Um, and so it was just these reminders to her and it started to reshape her brain to where she started to believe those things and then live those yeah. things. So number one, I think some form of self-talk um, is really important. And I think number two is go, go stack as many small successes as you possibly can. That could be going on a 10 minute walk. That can be a success. Um, it could be what, like having a difficult conversation, but, but that builds confidence when you, when you, you know, the other thing your brain does if you have a hard task in front of you and you quit, um, it's like railroad tracks are being laid in your brain. And when you quit, there's a gap. The railroad tracks don't finish. And so the next time you're in a difficult situation, your brain doesn't know how to finish the hard task. It's like yeah. all it knows what to do is, is to quit. When you complete it, it, it's like it lays that railroad track and it finishes it. It completes the track. And so the next time you're in a hard situation, your brain's like, oh, I know what to do here. I know how to finish. I know how to do hard things which is part of why just the value of working out every day. It's hard. It's not fun. Most days I don't want to finish it. I'm like, this is killing me. I want to, Oh, I've only, I've got five more minutes. I can do anything for five more minutes or whatever it is. But part of, part of me doing that one, it's my own just physical health, but two, it's training your brain to, to deal with adversity, to do hard things. And so those yeah. things build confidence when you need confidence. Yeah. So strong. I, I think about that made me think about what I call, um, comfort zone callous, right? Your comfort zone mm. is so small when we start out, right? But then if you do something, yeah. it gets it gets keeps getting a little bit bigger, right? And yeah. so then your hand, yeah. if it's if you have a callus from you know work or whatever it may be, you, you got to go around the callus, right? And figure out a way that's out right. to get out of your comfort zone. So well Kevin, this has yeah, been awesome, good. man. Where do our listeners find more of uh, Kevin DeShazo? Yeah, so I'm on every social media platform just at Kevin DeShazo, um, Twitter or X and, and Instagram, probably the two that I'm most active on, uh, LinkedIn, fairly active as well. Um, you're welcome to just go to the website, DeShazo.me. Um, if you're in sports, uh, our sports leadership company is BeBetterLeaders.com. So those Be are, those are the easiest places to find me. So great to have you on the Circuit of Success, man. Appreciate your time. Absolutely. Honored to be with you.